there are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always is a man that if you strap on your beer goggles, he's a perfect 10. He is the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend, and happy craft beer week. Tonight, we are drinking Pirate Bomb by the great people over at Prairie Artisan Ales in beautiful Tulsa, Oklahoma. Arr, me matey. Garage grade four and three quarter bottle caps out of five. I've got my snifter glass full of this fantastic imperial stout, and it's delicious with hints of vanilla, coconut, full bodied, and smooth. Maybe at the end of today's show, I'll tell you my favorite pirate joke. And maybe I'll punch you in your face. But first, Pirate Bomb was brought to us by these land lovers. First up, we have Rebecca in South Yorkshire, UK. And in London, England, we have Daisy. Oh, Daisy. You're just as pretty as a daisy. And a shout out to Ashley and Courtney down in Texas. Also in Texas, we say thank you to Whiskers. And another listener that's as curious as a cat. Danielle. And Danielle's out in Briggsdale, Colorado, recommending beers from Weld Works Brewing Company. And a big cheers. We'd like your jib to Amber from North Branch, Michigan. Next, we have a question. This is from Christina in Copenhagen, Denmark. She wants to know when we are going to do our world tour. Oh, well, uh, well, see what happened was. I think what the captain's trying to say is that he's on a do not fly list. And last but not least, we have in the big Buckeye state... Amanda in Champion, Ohio. And you're all champions in my heart for donating to the beer fund. And if you'd like to do so, go to truecrimegarage.com, click on the donate banner. And like always, we like your GM. And thanks for subscribing. Thanks for telling a friend. Don't forget to leave those five star reviews at iTunes. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, Untapped, all that stuff, you can find us at True Crime Garage. And that is enough. The business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
a parent's worst nightmare that has lasted 10 years. And one family doesn't want you to forget two missing teenage girls. This is KOAM News at 10. I'm Rhonda Justice. And I'm Dow Quick. Tomorrow marks the 10th anniversary of the murders of Danny and Kathy Freeman and the disappearance of their daughter and her friend. The Freemans were murdered and their home was burned to the ground in Welch, Oklahoma, December 30th, 1999. Their 16-year-old daughter, Ashley, was hosting a birthday sleepover with her friend, Laura Bible. While the bodies of the Freeman parents were found inside the burned home, no trace of Ashley and Laura were ever found. Laura's mother hopes someone could still come forward with information and collect the $50,000 reward. We're going to have more on the anniversary and the investigation tomorrow. We were getting into the theories regarding the unsolved murders of Danny Freeman and his wife, Kathy Freeman, as well as the mysterious disappearances of their daughter, Ashley Freeman, and her friend, Laura Bible, which mm -hmm. took place December 30th, 1999. Continuing on with those theories, one we hadn't got to yet was theory number three, that the police had killed Danny and his wife and then set fire to the, the trailer destroying evidence and abducting the girls. Let's talk about this one here for a second, because this is one that is near and dear to the, the hearts and minds of the Freeman family. There's mm -hmm. a lot of family members that believe that this is the actual situation. Um, well, when one of your loved ones comes out and says, Hey, if anything ever happens to me, uh, look into the sheriff department. Yeah, and that's exactly what Danny had said to his brother Dwayne before uh, he was killed. Right. And he had also told his brother that, that, according to Danny, that he was told by the sheriff's department that they could do anything that they wanted to him and his family, and there wasn't a thing that Danny could do about it. I never would have thought when we started the likelihood that law enforcement would be involved or possibly involved in so many different cases. Yeah, this is something that we seem to bump up against time and time again when we're covering these unsolved cases. But the situation here is we spoke about Danny's run-in with the law. You know, this all occurred after his son Shane was shot by mm -hmm. the police. Now, the situation is this. that We also have some other factoring things here. Not only was Danny following around and hanging out in front of the officer's home and being followed by the officers as well, but according to local accounts, the Danny Freeman once threatened the lives of police officer David Hayes. This is the officer that shot and killed his son, Shane. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that Danny, according again to Dwayne, his brother, said that the sheriff's department was threatening him as well. So we well, have it sounded like, you know, Danny was uh, the harasser and also being harassed himself. And I don't know all of the specifics regarding their son being shot. But all reports that I have read seems to me like it was a justified shooting by police, as well as, you know, they did conduct their own investigation and they state that it was a justified shooting, that the officer, David Hayes, that he was simply defending himself against an armed man that was rumored to be suicidal, that wanted right. suicide by cop, that was seemed to be out 
Willie, you know, willingly committing crime. Well, after I think crime. You're, right. I think your vocabulary is wrong. I, I don't think it was a man. You know, I, I still at that point, I think he's a boy. Mentally, he seemed very much like a, a boy at that time. But the 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 situation is this. Okay, there is no evidence to suggest this theory is correct. Um, the the officer David Hayes. Uh, who shot and killed the son Shane, Mm -hmm. his brother is in law enforcement as well. Now, both of them have taken polygraph exams after the girl's disappearance, um, and there was nothing within those exams to conclude or suspect either one of them of having any involvement in the disappearance or the murder of the Freemans and Laura Bible. Now, we also have that they're not even considered suspects in this investigation, And one thing that I want to make clear, too, that they were never personally involved in the investigation of the murders or the disappearance because there was a conflict of interest. So as soon as this case took off, they immediately got the the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation involved. And for them. they took over the case because they're like like said, there's a conflict of of interest. Interest, Yeah. There is one strange connection that I would like to bring up, though, and this this would kind of further the law enforcement conspiracy theory here, is that uh, several of the girls' relatives participated in a pilot of a television program called What Really Happened. This took place in October of 2001. The show was not purchased by any of the networks and has never been uh, broadcasted. Now, there was a woman named Deanna Dorsey. Uh, she's a nurse who assisted the Freemans on the night of Shane's death. She appeared on the show, you know, gave interviews and such. Mm-hmm. The other connection for Deanna Dorsey is that her daughter was a friend of Ashley's back in 1999. Now, Deanna was shot and killed at the hospital where she worked. This was shortly after a taping of this show, What Really Happened? authorities said okay hold on so this nurse comes out and she's on this tv program that never gets picked up right but for everybody all accounts people thought it was going to get picked up and she comes out and makes these claims on this show and then she is killed at her work she i don't know that she claimed that law enforcement was involved all i'm saying is that she Mm -hmm. gave interviews regarding this this TV show. Now this would have been known in the area throughout the community that this show was taking place, that they're recording and they're interviewing different people. I mean, right. Again, let's remind everybody, this is a town of 600 people, Mm -hmm. you know, so we're a very small community. Yeah. And the neighboring town, which is the large one has over 6,000 people. So again, another small community. The Mm -hmm. situation is this though. My guess is that she's probably somebody that you would want to seek out to interview because at this point, when you're when you're making this show, the parents of Shane no longer exist to mm-hmm. conduct these interviews. She was close to the family and helped them during the grieving process when they lost their son. Right. And so she would have known some intimate details regarding the death of Shane and regarding how the family was trying to cope with the loss of their son. Deanna Dorsey, she was shot and killed by a man named Ricky Martin. Oh my. And he was a former employee of Sorry. the same of the same hospital where they both had worked. Now, this gentleman, Ricky Martin, he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. Well, he also suffered from shaking his bonbon. Well, they believe that he was angry because he was let go from his job. 
and that he came into work and he shot Deanna Dorsey at at his former work. I'm sorry to be insensitive. It's just it's hilarious. His name is hilarious. Now, I think why people connect this to, you know, there's some obvious connections immediately, you know, with with Deanna Dorsey having been close to the Freeman family mm-hmm. and her daughter knows Ashley Freeman. So there's those connections. She's involved in the taping of this TV show. But I think what kind of tops that theory off, the conspiracy theory off here, is that Ricky Martin was was shot and killed by police that same day. And you know how it is. It's it's oh, he was shutting her up and now we're shutting him up. Um, But the thing is, he he did. He he suffered from this this disease and Mm -hmm. he must have freaked out. That's the only thing they can come up with is that he freaked out about having been let go and that he went in there with the intention of harming somebody as a type of revenge for losing his job. The or shooting up the whole place. It it doesn't look like it was. She was, I think, just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't mm-hmm. think she was targeted directly by Ricky Martin. And you have good reason to believe that be- because law enforcement and the hospital itself have come out and stated that the two of them didn't know each other. That that even though that they worked in the same location, no one could make any ties between the two of them. That that, that Ricky Martin would have had any reason to target her or that specifically went there to kill her. She mm-hmm. just happened to be the person that he encountered when he was on this rampage. Well, we normally know where I sit on these things, uh, Captain Conspiracy. You've been uh, accused many times of loving a good conspiracy. Yeah, I'm guilty as charged. That's uh, because I'm crazy. But w- where do you sit on this? Um, the, I, the whole police theory that the I, police was involved. I don't think that the police theory holds any weight for me. I, I see where we have the confrontation between Danny and the other officers mm-hmm. and um, the harassment. Yeah, I, I see that. And, and here's, here's where I'm going to take this thing. Did mm-hmm. Danny cross the line? In my opinion? Yes. Did right. law enforcement cross the line in this situation before th- this family was murdered? Um, I don't know. And I'll tell you why, because here's the thing. We have reports of Danny sitting in his vehicle in front of Officer Hayes's home. Mm-hmm. That's much different to me than if you were if if you sat in front of my home in a vehicle multiple times, I would feel like you're threatening my family. If you personally just said something to my face where you threatened me, mm-hmm. I would take that uh, that would be a lot less to me than a threat of you sitting in front of my family's home. Noted. Now, I do understand blue blood, man. You got to have your, you got to have your brothers and sisters backs. You know, you can't, we can't have disgruntled citizens Mm -hmm. sitting in front of officers, homes, intimidating them. However, I don't think that your way of taking care of that problem is that would make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to go and kill and murder the family and abduct these girls to me. Um, You, they would have had means of, taking down Danny Freeman, I believe. I believe they that that if some of the rumors were true regarding Danny and his behavior, right. I believe they probably could have arrested him on on a number of charges uh-huh. and that they would have felt safe with their families and and their personal safety having him simply behind bars and not have to do harm to innocent people that happen to be in family members or associated with Danny. So, I think 
that's why it doesn't hold any weight for me. I think that the police, if they and the sheriff's department, if they really wanted to correct the problem by being bullies, mm-hmm. they could have done it by different means. Right. So what you're saying is pretty much what I think as well. But I'm going to put it a little clearer. Right. I don't think you were as clear as we could be. Crystal clear. Right. So what you're saying is, and what I believe is that they could have they could have removed Danny from the situation, or they could have just taken care of Danny. Mm-hmm. And why would you involve, you know, the wife? Mm-hmm. Then and then also, why would you involve the daughter? And then on top of that, why would you involve the daughter's friend? Right. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think part of them felt bad because this guy was harassing them, but I think part of them felt bad. Like we had to do our job. We had to dis- defend ourselves, but I guarantee you they didn't feel good about themselves No, when, when they got home. Here's this kid that was suffering from maybe a mental illness, maybe just, you know, maybe it was depression. Who knows? But he was acting out for some reason. He was acting out and they had, this officer had to defend his life and that that's a, a tough thing for that officer to have to do. And then... It's a small town, small community. You have to look this father in the eye and you know what you did, but you know what you did was right and to defend yourself. The problem with any of these police conspiracies or these law enforcement conspiracies is if it was just Danny, they just found Danny dead in the home. It was a blaze and nobody else was dead. Nobody was missing. Well, yeah. Look to the sheriff. Mm hmm. But these people that want to start thinking that law enforcement would take an innocent person that has nothing to do with anything and to you know murder that person or place that person on somebody's property after the, after they murdered them, it makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you really hit upon something here because I think that that's probably the reason why they never arrested Danny for any of these things and put him behind bars so that he couldn't hurt their families. I think they were trying to show Danny a bit of compassion. Right. And and in the means that did they threaten him or threaten his his family? I believe that pop probably happened. Yeah. And but I don't think that they had any intention of carrying out those threats. Now, remind you i'm a thousand miles removed from the situation and and you know many years later Mm -hmm. but the but my gut feeling tells me that you know when when you're sitting out in front of my home and i know that i that i unfortunately was thrown into a situation where i had to defend myself and your son lost his life i can i could see myself saying you know what I'm going to deal with this problem of him being in front of my home by him intimidating my family. I'm going to deal with this problem with words mm-hmm. and not with fist, not with cuffs, not with guns. I'm going to deal with it with words. And if I have to get into an argument with this gentleman, or if I have to have an exchange with this gentleman and he's threatening me and it leads me to threaten him, I, I can believe that the threats happen. But again, I don't think there there was any intention of carrying out any of those threats. Well, and the big red flag here, too, is initially at the scene, it was just Kathy that they found dead. It wasn't until um, it wasn't until the Bibles came around that they found Danny dead themselves or, or you know, the dog's help. Yeah. So, you know, if you're trying to cover something up, you'd think you'd do a better job of uh, policing the crime scene. Well, not only that, they released the crime scene very early. 
You know, that's why the Bibles found Danny's body. And then to further that, the the following day after Danny's body was found, Mm -hmm. they opened up that property because it was a large property to volunteers. They had over 500 people there that day searching the property for any evidence regarding the, the whereabouts of the girls or you know, possible evidence of who committed these murders. Right. So what you're saying is why open this up for a search party if you're trying to contain it? Yeah. It would be really fishy if they said, you know what? Yeah, we understand we got two missing girls here, but we don't want you searching the property. They could have sat on that property for days and days and days. Right. That would have been fishy. So, look, I know. I, I know you start getting this gut feeling. I know you're listening to this case out there and you start thinking, oh, maybe it's law enforcement. I'm. My gut is telling me after you look at the evidence, after you look at the procedures that took place, I don't think there's a lot of weight to that theory. So let's remind everybody what the remaining three theories were regarding this case. Now, mind you, these are theories based off of law enforcement, based off of people in the community, family members. These are these are their theories. And I want to go through these three because I think what we're going to cover next in in the second half of today's show will I want you to think about these different suspects as we go through them and how they could fit into either of these theories because they're they're somewhat similar. So theory number 4 was that the police were not involved, but Danny was targeted and he was the target due to drug activity. Mm-hmm. Theory number 5 was that the girls were actually the target, that the motivation for this attack was abduction and that the parents were just killed and the fire was set to hide evidence and abduct the girl. Human trafficking. And then the sixth theory that they were working off of was that someone that knew the family had killed the Freemans and abducted the girls. So interesting to me when there's multiple confessions into a case. Mm -hmm. Well, they start rolling in and this, the first one comes 18 months after the crime was committed. Mm -hmm. And this is a jailhouse confession by several inmates. Um, They state that they had seen the girls or had knowledge of the girls being at a home that was in the area. This home is also known to law enforcement And this would have been on New Year's Eve, 1999. So the day after the girls were abducted, these guys were saying that they had knowledge or seen the girls there. Now, this was a suspected drug house. Mm -hmm. Um, Their accounts are this, that, that the girls were being held captive there. They were being assaulted and tortured, and they didn't know what happened to the girls, but they knew that they were there on that date. The situation, the, the police... They have rumor to believe this because, like I said, this is already a home that is known to law enforcement. This right. is a home that they, they a drug keep, house. Yeah, they keep an eye on the house. They keep an eye on the occupants of the house. So they get a search warrant, the necessary warrant, and they decide to raid the home. Good. They do not find any evidence of the girls having been there. Now, mind you, this is 18 months later. Right. They did find um, a lot of evidence regarding um methamphetamine manufacturing Mm -hmm. and so they were able to take down the the necessary people because of that and make charges there the other strange thing is that one of the jailhouse confessors claimed that there was a tape of some of a vhs tape of some of the activity that was going on that day in that home and that he didn't know where the tape would be located or where it could be found but he had viewed a portion of that tape at some point and the, the tape would have been of them being tortured? 
Is that uh, what they're saying? Um, the, probably, most right. likely. Or, um, you know, you don't have to use your imagination too much to 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 think of what could be on that tape. Um, now, I could not locate these the the men that made these statements i could not locate their names and well, that just, doesn't surprise me because it's, they're it's, right but essentially it's not a confession because they're not the ones that were you know they didn't abduct the girls they're the ones that said hey well we were at this party and we knew about it we turned a blind eye that's kind of what they're confessing to R- right well which would be a crime but they're probably right. sitting yeah, down true. stating that, you know what, I can give you I can give you what I know as you're, long you're, as this doesn't come back on me. Right. You're guilty of being a piece of shit. Yeah. Yes. Um, the, but again, I, it doesn't surprise me that we cannot locate the names of these guys because it's a jailhouse confession. They're not going to release these names. The, that's the kind of stuff that, they, you know, you get the prison justice within the walls. Uh, they yeah, will, but part of the other reason that they wouldn't release this stuff is that they're they're confessing to being a part of something you know again not the ones that captured these girls but they're at this party with these known drug dealers that by all accounts if you're saying if what they're saying is true these people murdered these people uh they these people murdered the parents and then abducted these teenage girls Mm -hmm. and so law enforcement doesn't have to say who who said this stuff Right. You know, and obviously I think law enforcement felt like there was some validity there because they did the raid. Yeah. So again, that that doesn't mean that, that what they're saying is not true. So it could be, it could be true. Yes. It, it, but, but as an inmate, if I sit down and I'm going to pass along knowledge of something I know about of a horrible crime, I'm not going to want you to use my name, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I don't want anybody to use my name. Well, the, the, my final thought on this theory here, Captain, is, is there is one little tidbit of, of evidence here. If, if, in fact, these stories are true, then the one gentleman stated that, well, I shouldn't say gentleman, the one dude stated that there was a VHS tape. Now, right. um, does that tape still exist? I would, I would, the smart wager in me would say no, that it's probably been dis- destroyed and gotten rid of, um, but... Keep that in the back of your mind there because these things have, you know, the truth has a way of coming out in, in the long run. And this is something that you could hold on to that, that there might be some evidence out there that somebody could stumble across one day or find one day and we would be able to, to just punch microphones. We would be able to solve this case regarding this situation. Well, and this goes back to my original thoughts of why the heck they probably moved out there to begin with. I mean, if you're just trying to grow a little pot, you know, maybe you'd want some land. I'm not saying that people want just want land anyways. But when they talk about drug activities and being a rural area, I kept on saying that there's probably methamphetamines or, or something of that nature going on. Oh, it's definitely uh, going on in the area. Yeah, it's definitely going on in the area. But I'm saying going on with Danny. That's my gut feeling. So to me. I mean, this is super creepy. If if you, wh- why would you take these girls hostage other than for human trafficking, and then you're going to videotape their tor- them being tortured or sexually abused or whatever? You're a sick individual. Mm. You know what I mean? And it, it's very uh, kind of reminded me of uh, True Detective season one, which was a crazy show. But anyways, it's that. 
to me, there's so many creepy levels of that. And uh, I wish we would know. I want to know where the investigation took them further. But if these people were just uh, making drugs and then up their game as far as criminal activity, they might have fled the area and we never will know who it was. Mm -hmm. And it probably was multiple people as well. Do you think it's a possibility? Because, you know, there's there's usually rumors amongst criminals, right? There's 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 rumors amongst that crowd. Um, do you think that there's a possibility that these guys in jail that that maybe had heard a rumor that this drug house was involved somehow with these girls or the death of Danny and thought, you know what? We're going to try to help there. Th- there's well, not only that, there's a reward. And, and maybe if, if this rumor's right, I'm going to go, I'm going to pretend like I know something and, uh, maybe I get out early. Maybe I get released early, you know, maybe just kind of taking a, a shot in the dark there. Yeah, possibly. But I think, uh, the VHS tape, it's either just a detail that you heard or, de- or you know, it could have been a detail that you made you make up i don't know to make yourself seem a little more believable but uh i think there's some weight to this and and there makes and this theory makes some logical sense let's get into more theories right after this quick beer break the evidence keeps pouring in At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. 
It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add ons to choose from every week, You'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem. And it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers. We have a confession to get to here. And this is from an article titled Authorities Investigate Death Row Killers Claims. This is from the Joplin Globe back in May of 2002. And I'll read some pieces of this uh, article so we can get a, a good idea of what's going on. Tommy Lynn Sells, age 38, who is considered one of the nation's most prolific serial killers, made the claim in a letter to the Joplin Globe postmarked May 10th. 
This is, he's claiming to know the whereabouts of the two missing girls. Mm -hmm. Sells had previously claimed involvement in the 1999 disappearance of Ashley Freeman and Laura Bible, but he said that he couldn't remember any details. In the letter, Sells said he could now take authorities to where the girls are buried. He says that he wants, you know, what does he remember about December 30th? Well, he states that he, he wants to say this that he remembers where the two bodies are and he believes he can take them to the bodies. And he also wants to remember a fire. Tommy sells was a drifter and sometimes carnival mechanic during his 20 plus years on the road. Sells claims he has murdered more than 50 people. Authorities have confirmed 17 of his kills. Mm -hmm. Some of them in Illinois, Missouri, and Oklahoma. Authorities said that they are skeptical of the serial killer's latest claim, but said that they will talk to him. Right, but what we do know is that he was in the area. You know, he has killings in that area. Mm -hmm. uh, they they state that he would be considered a very good suspect, or at least a suspect. Um, and they said that they don't want to talk, the authorities don't want to talk about the credibility of anything. Uh, because... You know, they're going to talk to him because they don't have very many leads in this case, and they want to check yeah. everything out. Well, what happens when they talk to him? Well, his previous claim was that he couldn't remember anything or any of the details regarding the case or the crime itself. Now, after some some more time has elapsed, now he's all of a sudden, he's clear about what happened, and he can lead him to the bodies. He can talk about the details of the murders. The end result is that they take him to where he said he disposed of the bodies. And this was near the Red River, which is on the border of Oklahoma and Texas. Mm -hmm. And the first of all, they don't find any remains or any evidence uh, that, that the girls were ever there or that their bodies were there. Uh, furthermore, the way that he had described the area and the location of where they would find these bodies beforehand, once they take him to the location, it, it doesn't even match up with, with his description of where he says he placed the bodies. Furthermore, he couldn't give any real details about the crime itself regarding how the Freemans were killed, how the crime went down. Um, he didn't know any details to to further make them believe that he had any insight to give them. It was yeah, and you think with all these goofy false confessions that law enforcement would get to the point where they go, okay, well, we, in this scenario, we have two dead bodies, right? Mm -hmm. Give me details of these, right, before we go on a wild goose chase looking for these missing girls. Well, and they actually did because he wanted to talk about this previously. And he couldn't provide him with any information, so they didn't take him out on the road. They they waited until he stated, you know, now now I know this information. Now I can pass along this information. They believed that everything that he was telling them was stuff that he would have been able to find in the newspapers. Right. You know, stuff that, that you and I could have told them about the crimes. So this basically goes nowhere, and we're back to square one. Yeah, this leaves us with a second confession, and this comes from a guy by the name of Jeremy Jones. And I'll take you through a little bit of his background so we can figure out if, if his confession will carry more weight than that of Tommy Lincells. Mm -hmm. So back in 1997, uh, Jones receives probation. He's put on probation for five years. Uh, he's living in the Oklahoma area. And during, he's put on probation because he has committed sexual assault, three counts of sexual assault, actually. 
So he receives five years of probation, right? In the year 2000, in December of 2000, in the year 2000, he leaves Oklahoma and he mm-hmm. goes to Alabama. Now, during the course of him leaving the state, he has assumed a new identity. And he's even received a social security number along with personal info. Uh, He got this from a woman whose son was in prison in Missouri. So he steals this person's identity and he's now in Alabama. Well, while in Alabama in 2003, he's arrested for indecent exposure. In 2004, he's arrested for criminal trespassing. Now, the problem here is, Captain, that during both of those arrests, you know, fingerprints are taken and they fail to realize the real identity of this person. He's now going by the alias of John Paul Chapman, real name Jeremy Jones. The authorities, after two arrests, they do not make the connection that John Paul Chapman is actually Jeremy Jones. Mm-hmm. In 2004, he is arrested for the rape slaying of a 45-year-old woman. This is Lisa Nichols, and this took place in Alabama. Now, he shot her, he mutilated the body, and he set her trailer on fire. The the situation is as such. He states that they were out together, that she asked him to come back to her home, and at some point, he believes she was trying to rob him. She was going through his things or his backpack or something like that. And he flew into a drug induced rage, killed her and set the trailer on fire. The problem here is we have a situation where it's so much similar to the Freeman murder. You know, we have people that were shot in a trailer trailer set on fire. Yeah. He's, he's looking pretty suspicious at this point. Well, to make matters worse, you know, we already have this horrific killing of, of the, the woman, Lisa Nichols, Mm -hmm. but law enforcement failed to discover his true identity. You know, he was, he was on probation and that probation was revoked in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. So he would have, he's a fugitive from the law at this point. So even though you have something as small as an indecent exposure or a criminal trespassing charge, this would they they would then fa- you know ship your butt back to Oklahoma, and poor Lisa Nichols would still be alive. Yeah. I, I don't want to harp on law enforcement too much because for those of uh, for those of people that don't know the the fingerprinting process is pretty complicated and it it's not uncommon that that things identities or such could slip through the cracks regarding fingerprints. Well, and technology is way ahead now. And it, but it's a little troubling when it happens, you know, more than once with the same individual, especially somebody as heinous as, as Jeremy Jones, as evil as he is, because while he is, while they're waiting to convict him, we, we got a guy, he ends up confessing to a total of 13 murders they only end up charging him with three of those. Um, they could only find evidence enough to con- get a conviction of three of those. But what happens later is that he then confesses to the murders of Danny Freeman, Kathy Freeman, and abducting Ashley Freeman and Laura Bible and disposing of their bodies after he murders them. Mm-hmm. His story goes that he knew somebody and he knew a man. <laughs> I knew somebody. Okay. Well, he knew a man named Charlie. Okay. And Charlie was associated with Danny. 
Okay. I've heard several accounts of this story that, that either Jeremy Jones was owed money by Danny Freeman or that Danny Freeman owed this Charlie guy some money. Okay. Regardless, that's his connection to Danny Freeman. He goes to the Freeman home to collect what what is his, what he believes is, is his. He says that he spends hours driving around looking for the Freeman home. There's, Which makes sense. There's not a lot of proof that he would have known where the home was with the exception of had he ever gone there with Charlie or received information from Charlie, then he might have known where their home is. Right, but such a remote area. It's it's very easy if your friend lives in, you know, if your friend lives in a subdivision, mm-hmm. right? That if you drive around enough, you go, oh, I, re- I remember this, I remember that. That's a lot harder to do in a remote area. Well, and I want to I want to read somebody's description of the Freeman's home so they can get an idea of how hard I think that this home would be to find, especially in the dark. You know, mm-hmm. I know I have I have several friends that live out in the sticks, I'll I'll call it. And but I, I've driven past I've been to their homes many times and driven past the entrance to their home even in the broad daylight because they live so far off the road. Uh it's not well marked. Mm-hmm. But this is a description from a local person that I found regarding the Freeman home. They state that the Freeman's home is a trailer located just outside of Welsh city limits. It's located at the end of a half-mile dirt driveway. The property is only identifiable by a simple mailbox that sat on top of iron chain of an iron chain stand, mm-hmm. and it basically the only indication that you would have that that's somebody's driveway and just not some random dirt road is this tiny little mailbox that's not you know it's not lit. Um, it's and they have a little. Do most people have glowing mailboxes? Well, they have a little, no, but they might have a light above or a street light would be located near the the driveway, mm-hmm. not this situation. And that there's a little bit of a rock formation um, near the driveway as well. That to the locals is the only indication that there is a home back there. Okay. So where does his story go from here? He's at the home and he is, he's murdered Danny and Kathy. He then sets the trailer on fire. And unbeknownst to him that there were other people inside the uh, the trailer, he goes outside. Uh, he's getting ready to leave the property when the two girls come running out of the burning trailer. All right. So let's back this up a little bit. So he goes in to collect his money from Danny. Mm-hmm. There's probably some kind of tussle because like we know Danny has a broken collarbone. Mm-hmm. So he gets shot. Then he has to shoot Kathy, the wife. Because she's there. She's a witness. Yep. Okay, so that all checks out. Driving around for a while because you can't find the property. It's hard to find. It's nighttime. That checks out. Right. There's two individuals in the trailer that he's not aware of. So, do the girls hear what's going on and they just stay in their room and hide? You know, he, he doesn't know why they, they didn't appear or doesn't state why that, but they that he doesn't see them until, or even know that they're in the home until the place is set on fire. Mm-hmm. He says that when they came out of the well, trailer, well, real quick, does he have a rough timeline of when he claims he's, he shows up to the Freeman's home? Mm, this, Cause, Cause we know that the boyfriend was there till probably nine thirty. 
10, 1030. According to statements that I read, this would put him in the Freeman home in the early morning hours of the 30th. Okay. So, so, so we could assume the girls would be asleep. And I, I do want everybody to keep in mind um, that this is a bit of a vague confession. And the reason I believe this is, is because he is a well-known Jeremy Jones is a well-known meth head. Um, mm-hmm. He might not be the details of this crime might not even be clear to him. Um, but he states anyway that the girls came rushing out of the trailer and to his surprise, they didn't know that he was the perpetrator of anything that had happened that, it, that had taken place before the, the trailer was ablaze. Well, maybe they slept through it. He, he says that they thought or assumed that he was passing by and saw the fire mm-hmm. and had intended to report it or to help in some manner. So he gets them in his vehicle and they willingly leave the property. The problem is they're not going to be alive for very much longer because of what kind of animal Jeremy Jones is. And right. Well, and he, he obviously seems like a, a sex offender. Yeah, you know, he, he definitely is. And he, he says that he drove them to a location that was about an hour away. Um, and he, he assaulted one of the girls Um, one of the girls tried to run off. Uh, he shot her and then murdered the other girl. And then he threw their bodies down into a mine shaft. Okay. Okay. So the problem with this mine shaft is that it's one of these, there's multiple, there's multiple pits and stuff in this location. And it also has a series of underground tunnels um, that could be flushed out from time to time due to water. Right, um, right, right. So he and, he and he's confessing years later. So yeah. this is years and years of possible flushing of these mines. Yeah, the, and they. The, the thing I don't like about his story, and maybe, and this wouldn't. I want to know your thoughts. But the thing that I don't like about his story is that his story seems to make some sense. It makes a lot of sense. And um, even for a meth head, uh, you know, because it's it, like it, like you said, didn't know they were there. He has a motive. There's a logical explanation of why he would want Danny dead. Mm-hmm. And then there's obviously a logical explanation of why he wants Kathy dead because she's there. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's probably in a meth state anyways. Yeah. You know, up or down, and I don't know much about it, so I'm not captain of meth heads. Um, But then the girls are there, and here's this guy with, you know, these sexual demons. Mm-hmm. And he is a sexual demon. Exactly. Right. So, so that's what, that's, to me, it's, it seems like everything he's saying makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the exception of they do they do an extensive search of the area in the mine shafts, these pits, the tunnels. Nothing is found of the girls. Um, and immediately when he realizes that they didn't find anything, well, he takes back his confession. He's no longer confessing to to the. Well, that's or, probably a play by his lawyer, though. Mm. Um, well, here's the other thing too, though. You said he, you know, he confessed to thirteen. They only tried him for three. Yeah. But those held up. Yeah. So, okay. So, we, so now we do have some evidence that this guy confesses to stuff that he actually does do. 
and then there is obviously enough evidence to find it. Because if he confessed and if they would have found that body, if they would have found those bodies, right? Mm-hmm. That that would have been enough to convict him. Right, of course. So again, I think that's a play from the lawyer. You yeah. know, and, recant the statement. Um, when you compare the two confessions, Tommy Linsells to Jeremy Jones, mm-hmm. Tommy Linsells, he some of the things he confessed to, they were able to take off the books and clear because um, his confessions were accurate. However, I would throw Tommy Linsells into the category of he's probably our generation's version of Henry Lee Lucas. Um, you know, another another killer. But mm-hmm. somebody that confessed to multiple killings, you know, right. they, they he actually, saw it on TV and therefore he confessed. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think Tommy Lincells was basically just a very weak, disturbed man. Um, and I certainly guilty of multiple murders. However, I think he wanted to be much like Henry Lee Lucas, where he was thought as of some kind of genius serial killer type. Um, right. I don't know if the authorities or if the media or if Tommy Lynn Sells himself gave him the nickname, but he was known by the nickname of Coast to Coast, you know, meaning he had killed multiple people See, in multiple gonna, states. You're not going to ruin my AM radio show for me. And go ahead. Oh, yeah, the <laughs> yeah, Coast to Coast not show. not calling him Coast to Coast. Um, but regarding Jeremy Jones, you know, we know he is he was from Oklahoma. Uh, the strange thing, too, is that he leaves the state the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it. I know that, yes, he was on probation. Yes, his probation was revoked um, and he became a fugitive. Maybe he was running simply from that. I would wonder if he was running from these four murders that he had committed and later confessed to recanting that confession. Right. Again, the only the only thing I believe about the recanting is that. It's a lawyer play. And then also, I mean, as far as confessions go, where does um, the Bible family stand on any of these confessions? Um, I, if I had to guess what they would, would think and believe, I their theory, Laureen's theory, would probably lean most towards Jeremy Jones. Right. And in my, you know, my theory, and the reason why we kind of hinted on this a little bit that how tough it would be to locate their home. It it would seem very strange to me that a person like Tommy Lynn sells that, that he would have been able to locate this home. I don't think he knew these people. I don't think he knew the Freemans and it doesn't strike me that this is the type of home that some random killer traveling the streets. Um, you right. know, mm-hmm. there's a killer on the road to quote uh, Jim Morrison uh, would just stumble upon this home and commit this horrible crime. Yeah, and I think with um, Jeremy Jones, there's a connection to Danny, mm-hmm. for one. And then, now just go with me on this. This is not too far-fetched. You need to collect money. Why? Because you're a meth head, mm-hmm. right? So you go and you're going to kill Danny, then you're going to kill Kathy. And then these girls come running out and you don't know a bunch of details of what has happened or what hasn't happened, right? Mm -hmm. You're kind of blurry with your details. But we have the first confession being these people in jail saying, well, the rumor is that we heard or a party that we were at could have been Charlie's house. 
Right. And, and is this Charlie? Uh, is this Charlie individual connected to this meth house? Mm-hmm. And is it is it possible that is Jeremy Jones connected or Charlie connected to this meth house? Right. And then that would make their story make sense. And if any of those uh, jailhouse snitches, I'd say, could come forward and say Jeremy Jones was at that party, then there's more validity to that confession as well. If that is the way it happened. You're, you're saying that Jeremy Jones would, having abducted the girls, would then have something to barter with uh, to try to obtain more drugs or pay back a debt to his drug dealers. Right, or because he killed Danny, maybe he found some money you know, in the freezer. Maybe he didn't. Or maybe it was just, I have these girls, they're not aware that I killed their parents, and I'm going to take them to this party, mm-hmm. this drug party on New Year's. The, there Put are, in the girls there. I'm just saying that there, that is a possibility. There are some problems with his confession. Um, he was arrested on the 30th at 4 a.m., and this would have put him in the area of the Freeman home. The problem with that is we have the medical examiner stating that they believe, I'm sorry, she believes that Kathy Freeman was killed at 5 a.m. Right. Um, so this would make one, if that in fact is true, I would love to know, you know, anytime we're doing these cases, there's always that one little tidbit of, of knowledge that I think is needed to really hone in and target and, and bullseye a suspect. Right. And so they're saying, okay, so the the bit of information in this one for me is that time of death. How strong do they feel about that 5 a.m. time, time of death, Right, 5 a.m. time of death. But they're saying at 4 a.m. he's arrested. Mm -hmm. So that puts him in the area. Yeah. He would have been about 10 or 11 miles away from the Freeman home at 4 a.m. When he's arrested, he's arrested Mm -hmm. for like, uh, he's intoxicated or high or something like that. Um, but he's arrested. The other bit of knowledge that would be interesting to find out is, you know, what belongings did he have on him at the time that he was arrested? Yeah. Did, did he have a large sum of money? You know, did he have hundreds and hundreds of dollars in his pockets when he, when he was arrested? Right. Or, or was he alone? And maybe he just can't, you know, maybe he's confessing to the crime because he knows that he was involved somehow, mm-hmm. but maybe he wasn't alone. So maybe, you know, maybe the, you know, maybe they're basing the time of death off of when they think the fire was started. It's a possibility because and, the, the and, first known uh, sighting of the fire would be at five thirty a.m. Right, and if you and if you back it up, and you say, okay, well, uh, you know, Jeremy Jones and and his friend Charlie go to the house at midnight 1 a.m the murders could take place then jeremy jones actually leaves the scene and charlie's still at the scene to have the fire start well you you kind of crossed you crossed into what we were going to get to next here Mm -hmm. is regarding a tip that was received this was received um about a year maybe maybe two years ago Mm -hmm. um but it was a tip that loreen bible had received on her there's a on her facebook page right yes yeah so she receives a tip that somebody should look into the well of this old uh, old Charlie Critter house. Now, Critter lives in Kansas, um, but because of the state line, it's not terribly far from the Freeman home. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the other thing. Now, according to Lorene, Charlie and Danny knew each other, right? Yeah. So here's what I'm getting at here. And Jeremy Jones states that he knew this Charlie guy that Danny owed money to, mm-hmm. but he never says it's Charlie Critter. He just says Charlie, this guy named Charlie. Now, the according to local newspapers, not only did Charlie Critter know Danny Freeman because they might they they don't in the local papers. I couldn't find any drug connection, but according to Loreen, there's a drug connection there. The local papers state that they knew one another because a they had worked together at one point, Mm -hmm. and b that Critter owned several uh, cattle that were that lived on the Freeman property. So there's another connection to this this critter guy. Well they they they're given this tip to search the well of of his former home. Right. They search the well. Um they send uh, cameras down deep into the well and they find they they found no evidence that there there was definitely no bodies in there. The only thing I believe they found was some old some old bucket. Um but there was no other type of uh, debris that would lead you to believe that there were any personal belongings or clothing or anything of that nature. Again, what I was saying though is, you know, with Jeremy Jones confessing, maybe he's just not implementing his buddy Charlie. And I and think this, all this as well. Well, who is Charlie? Charlie's a guy that's currently spending, he's got to serve 14 years in prison for second degree murder. He murdered a woman. Right. He's a bad hombre. He murdered a woman and uh, they found her body in a creek. Um, and the situation is they don't believe that they couldn't find any evidence of sexual assault. Um, so maybe he's not the same kind of animal that, uh, Jeremy Jones is, but you're exactly right. Captain, we have a situation where it's very likely that this Charlie character that Jeremy Jones says he knows is in fact the same Charlie critter that we've been talking about that knew Danny Mm -hmm. that was rumored that he owed money to one or both of these people. Mm Mm-hmm. Here's what here's what I think happened. I think that. Wait, so are we given our theories now? I think we got to because we've okay. been kind of beating around it the whole time here. Uh, the I think that the two of them probably committed this crime together, yeah. and I think that that's the only way that you could make the timeline make sense regarding uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Jones's Jones involvement. Well, his arrest, yeah. right? Because him being arrested at uh, four a.m. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, that is what kind of puts the wrinkle on the whole confession. And Laureen Bible, her belief is that the, the connection between the crimes mm-hmm. is in the murderers is, is Danny Freeman. That somebody came to the trailer that night looking for Danny for some reason. Right. And this was the result. And I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to believe what her gut tells her. Because I can tell from all the research and reading that I've done that nobody has spent more time on this case and on this investigation than Loreen Bible. Well, and of course. She, and she knows that she knows the players involved. Well, she knows the characters and she knows the landscape. She, she knows everything. And on top of that, her motive for getting answers is stronger than anybody's because mm-hmm. of the loss of her daughter. And I, th- I think that two people or more had to commit this crime because of one simple fact. Okay. Well, let's make it two simple facts, but they're pretty okay. much the same thing. Okay. We know we've described Danny Freeman very well to everybody. It's easy to say that he has a temper. 
There's no reason to think that if he was confronted or put in a situation that he didn't want to be in, that he would not fight back. Right. He, this this is a mm-hmm. guy that would fight back 100%. And second of all, he's rumored to have a stockpile of guns and firearms on his property. Uh-huh. You do not. I don't care how much meth you do. I don't care how dumb you are or how evil you are. You do not approach a man or his property that is of that character and has that amount of weapons by yourself. Well, you're and the reason why they would be approaching him is to get money. To get money or to... Right. So when you're going to go collect money from somebody, you don't show up empty-handed, mm-hmm. right? Right. And I think what happened here, I think that we have two terrible individuals. Mm-hmm. We have Critter and we have his buddy Jeremy Creepy Jones. Critter. And it's not a stretch to believe that they those two knew each other. That they went to that home together to confront Jeremy, or I was uh, sorry, Danny, about money. Uh, well, or or or, yes. or he's making drugs, like I said, or he's making drugs. Yeah, most likely could have went there to collect money, or just straight up to rob the guy. Right. And they get in this scuffle, they get in this situation, and then we have Jeremy Jones. Look, because it could be as simple as, uh, you know, I'm out. You know, creepy critter is over there, and he's has his cattle. And Danny just opens up the freezer and gets some ice for a beer or something. Oh, what's that in the freezer? Oh, my daughter's saving up for, you know. Or they knew there was money on the property. Right, right. You know, it was also believed that Danny had some kind of collection that was full of valuables. Maybe they went there to collect that. Or the, or there was just a disagreement. You never know. But giving the character of these two guys, of Critter and Jones, I, I, <laughs> and it, to me, I, I, I'm with you on the fact that it doesn't seem like it's just a lone individual mm-hmm. that it would it'd more likely be two individuals, but I still feel like there's some validity to the, the jailhouse snitches. And that, and like I said, because the, and one of the issues here is because Jeremy Jones is a meth head, his story it makes so much sense, but there's so many gaps mm-hmm. and so many kind of just dark spots that, that if he could remember those or if he would have stated those. And I think maybe some of that, some of the stuff he's not stating correctly is because he doesn't want to implement uh, Charles. And probably the reason why is because he knows that if he ever got out or if he ever was confronted with this individual again, he could, be killed by him well and you know and these two guys are very in some ways very different from one another uh critter has never confessed to to the murder that he has been convicted of um he's not you know talking about it he he actually claims that he was framed um jones as we know he he from time to time will sing like a bird and tell you you know every confession that he can think of uh jones did know it's, it's kind of a douchey bird but yeah uh, Jones did know what type of gun they were killed with. Uh, he also knew what accelerant was used to set the fire. See, that's, um, that's, so that's all I need. We have evidence there. And the, the reason why I think it was the two of them is that I, here's the thing, little insight here, Jeremy Jones, it, you know, we talked about this when we covered Bundy a little bit. And we talked about it a little bit with the yogurt shop murders. Jeremy Jones is a serial rapist. Okay. He's a serial sex offender. Uh-huh. In every sense of the word, he's somebody that's been convicted of such crimes before he st- started murdering. 
Sometimes we see with these serial killers that cannot control themselves because that's the type of monster that they are, that they graduate from mur- from rape to murder. And I think that's what we have here with Jeremy Jones. I think that if he were there, if he were there that night, there is no way he could have walked away from that trailer without abducting those girls. It, that That's the sick individual that he is. That's right. his addiction. More so than methamphetamine, more so than the drugs and the alcohol. That is his number one drug of choice is is rape. And I think that, that we have a situation where they abducted these girls and they were able to get away with it because there was two of them. And Jeremy Jones fits into the timeline because he was not involved after the hours of 4 a.m. Right. And like I said, I mean, I when you can tell me what gun they used and you can tell me what accelerant they used, I, that's believable. The other thing, too, is there's some evidence about cars being in the area that night. Yeah, there, there there, were two vehicles that were spotted near the Freeman home. Again, a remote area. There might not be any reason for cars to be in that area. But uh, two. One was a dark uh, colored vehicle, um, and it was a very vague description given. It was a dark colored sedan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other vehicle that was spotted between, the, this was between 5 and 6 a.m. that morning. Um, the other vehicle would have been a dark colored truck. Um, it's the way that I've heard this reported is that these are two separate sightings, which would mean to me that these vehicles weren't seen together. Um, but what that makes me wonder furthermore is we have this arrest record of Jeremy Jones. What were his possessions? Was he in a dark colored sedan or, or a dark colored truck? Mm-hmm. Um, I know he would have been arrested at 4 a.m. and the, these sightings were later. Did he have any? Did he have a large amount of money on him? You know, these are these are the questions that that I would like to know. The strange thing here, though, Captain, is that law enforcement they do not report the sightings of these vehicles to the public until like 10 or 11 years after the crime. They're basically stating this is some information that we got right after the crime took place. Right. We held on to it because they were very vague descriptions of vehicles. And now we're going to release this information because we want to know if anybody saw the same thing or has any idea what, if this has anything to do with the crime at all. Well, I, but I also think that we're seeing law enforcement get a lot smarter and, you know, given information to the public earlier mm-hmm. now. And I, I think the more they do that and the more they're willing to say, hey, we have this piece of evidence and maybe somebody would know something when this case is, you know, hot, when the case is, uh, you know, public, the public is concerned about the case, mm-hmm. you're going to get more answers. Now, jumping back to the first theory that we discussed that the that the girls had perpetrated these murders, um, you know, and I just want to touch on this because I don't want anybody to to tell us we missed something here. But there were sightings of these girls after the fact. Right. Um, law enforcement has dismissed most of these sightings for the simple fact that they were receiving sightings of the girls being in different states on the same day. Um, meaning that Ashley could have been spotted on one side of the country on Wednesday and she was spotted on the other side of the country on that same Wednesday. Right. Um, so they, you know, when you, when you post these pictures and you send them out, people tend to see things. Um, maybe that's why they held back the information on these vehicles that they didn't want to get overloaded with 
unnecessary tips that might lead them in the wrong direction. Yeah, and, and like I said from the beginning, the the minute I saw Ashley's picture, I thought, well, that's my middle school girlfriend. I mean, it looks exactly like her. Um, so I don't know. I think sometimes when people hear about missing people, they kind of see what they want to see. Well, 16 years after the crime took place, we have local law enforcement calling for tips. They're mm-hmm. asking the public to put in their two cents and tell us what you saw, tell us what you've heard, tell us what you know. The thing that's disconcerting about this this plea for help from local law enforcement to me is is the fact that within this request for information, the district attorney's office states that they are encouraging anyone that has called in tips in the last 16 years And if you are wondering if the information has been followed up on, please contact your local law enforcement again. You know, so kind of, I think, I think they're wondering what tips may have fallen through the cracks throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're letting the public know that they have new people in all of the sheriff's offices, all of the district attorney's offices. There's new eyes, new minds, new people manning these desks and manning the, the offices Mm-hmm. Please submit these tips to these new people in case Again, this stuff yeah. fell through the cracks right. so we can piece this together. Well, and yeah, that's what they're saying. That's the importance uh, of what they're saying is, and that's what, and what makes it so odd is please report whatever you reported 16 years ago again. Yeah. And the conclusion of this story, I mean, we kind of believe Jeremy Jones's confession and if they can find some more links, maybe they're, be some closure for the family mm-hmm. or if you could get him to turn on critter or critter to turn on Jones mm-hmm. uh, would, would be another way to go with it. I think they're going to have to find the bodies of the girls at this point to believe any confessions that come out. Um, yeah. I, I think that's the only way that, that you'll, you'll be able and to again, get And again, like I said, the problem with Jones is, you know, he's a drug addict. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, Ashley Freeman was actually declared legally dead by her family October 18th, 2010. Um, as we had said earlier, the Bible family remains at on the front line of mm-hmm. this investigation. Um, Lorreen Bible and her husband, Jay Bible, are really uh, the driving force behind the remaining investigation. Yeah, and if you have any tips or any, any information... Uh, or just want to help out, you can check out their Facebook page. Uh, it's Find Laura Bible. And that's Laura, L-A-U-R-I-A. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I want to give a quick uh, a statement that uh, Loreen Bible had stated. She says that they will never declare Laura legally dead. Um, she states that they have come to the conclusion that Laura was in the wrong place at the wrong time. They still feel that she is still alive, but whether she is alive or dead, they want to know what happened. And our hearts go out to them. Do we have a recommended reading for this week? Uh, Yes, it's called The Dreams of Ada by Robert Mayer. Uh, This book was recommended to me by a listener, and now I'm recommending it to all of you. Mm -hmm. This is especially for fans of Making a Murderer. The Dreams of Ada is, is the true bewildering story of a young woman's disappearance the nightmare of a small town obsessed with delivering justice and the bizarre dream of a poor, uneducated man accused of murder. John Grisham says that this is a riveting true story of a brutal murder in a small town 
and the tragic errors made in the pursuit of justice. So check out The Dreams of Ada by Robert Mayer, and you can do that by going to truecrimegarage.com. Click on the recommended page, and you will see a big stack of wonderful books to choose from uh, by using our Amazon banner. Thank you to everybody for joining us in the garage this week. Thank you for telling a friend, and thank you for the five-star reviews. And check out our awesome sponsors. Can't thank you enough for listening. Hope we made your week better. I know you made our week better. So until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.